Chapter One of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avahi in September 2020. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter One Early Notions. Among the earliest traditions of every primitive race may be found traces of attempts to explain the elementary phenomena of the heavenly bodies. It could hardly be otherwise, since the succession of day and night, of winter and summer, and the phases of the moon could not have passed unregarded, even in the most uncivilized times. Few, if any, other sciences can claim such high antiquity as astronomy, the elementary stages of which would seem almost coeval with the human race. This primitive astronomy, however, can hardly be regarded as a science, and we are without any authentic data as to the course and extent of the progress made by any of the ancient races from the simple noting of phenomena to which Plato, criticizing Hesiod, denies the right to the name of astronomy, towards the determination of the laws which govern them. Plato's criticism goes plainly too far, as observations are quite as indispensable as theory, but it leads us to infer that the theory in his time was not regarded as of very great antiquity. It is probably safe to assume that the traditional cradle of nations, the Iranian plateau, was also the cradle of knowledge, that every successive migration carried some of its ideas into successive regions, and that the highest development of its science was reached by those who were last to leave. The order of these migrations is a matter of general history and of some uncertainty, but there is little doubt that the astronomy of India, China, and Egypt was inspired by the sages whose more direct and legitimate successors were the Chaldean priests. The process of evolution would begin simply enough. The common phenomena of dawn, sunrise, day, sunset, dusk, and night would first attract attention, and their regular succession be immediately noticed. The varying darkness depending on the light of the moon, as well as the changes in the time of rising and setting, and of the apparent shape of that body, would give another longer measure of time, so that besides the day or day and night, time came to be measured by months or moons a mode of reckoning still found among savages soon it would be observed by noting the varying length of the day since we are dealing with the temperate regions as the primitive abode of man or the direction of the sun at rising and setting or the length of the midday shadows that the sun's path also changed from day to day and that he rose and set farther and farther north from winter to summer, reaching in consequence a higher elevation at noon, and reversed the process from summer to winter. This cycle, obviously coinciding with the course of nature in the fields and woods, gave another, and a more important, time unit. It is not so easy to fix the length of the year, however, and the husbandmen, to whom it was of most importance, soon learned to rely on a class with greater leisure to fix for them the seasons with greater accuracy. The priests naturally claimed and exercised this office, magnifying its importance, 
elaborating ceremonial sacrifices and thus strengthening their ascendancy over the ignorant they must soon have discovered that there is not an exact number of days in a month or in a year or of months in a year and have set themselves to systematic night observations to determine these relations with greater accuracy at the same time devising various schemes to evade the difficulty especially that caused by the length of the month they would notice that the moon followed roughly a certain path among the stars and that the sun's path was nearly identical and that at the same season of the year the sun's place in that celestial track was always the same so that zone of the heavens came to be regarded as distinct and the configurations of the stars in different parts of it were associated with different seasons and divided into groups called constellations and given names in order to define the sun's position that is the time of year this zone has long been called the zodiac footnote the name signifies live things the only sign we use not answering this description is libra which was formerly the clause of scorpio End footnote so far there is reason to suppose a general agreement among all primitive races but the next step involves great uncertainty disregarding the lunar mansions which would divide the zone into about twenty-eight portions the obvious division for the sun would be into twelve portions each corresponding with a fair approximation to a month as a matter of fact this was done in nearly every case of which we know anything the zodiac then was divided into twelve portions and the sun connected successively with each in his course through the year but the question is how was he so connected and it is here that practice probably differed since the sun and the stars could not be seen together except occasionally during an eclipse when in early times people were probably too frightened to take observations some indirect method must have been used it will be easily understood that the sign opposite to that in which the sun is situated will be towards the sun at midnight will rise at sunset and set at sunrise and so could be determined with fair precision so that from a zodiacal map the sun's approximate position among the stars would be at once inferred but there is strong reason to suppose that this was not the method in general use in any case the idea of midnight involves the use of some sort of clock and here our inferences are valueless it is fairly certain that some early astronomers made observation of the last conspicuous star rising just before the sun it is also very probable that others made use of the new moon as a link and associated the sun by its means with the constellation setting just after sunset of these two methods one is usually associated with egypt the other with chaldea and it may easily be seen that from either of them great uncertainty is introduced into the solution of the problem so many have attempted namely to identify ancient dates by referring them to supposed zodiacal positions of the sun or heliacal risings of stars especially the former for example many centuries ago the sun was in the constellation of the bull at the vernal equinox that is the time when in his northward journey he has reached the halfway house 
where rising due east and setting due west he makes the lengths of day and night equal if however an inscription associates the sun with the bull at the vernal equinox it is quite possible that there is a moon also associated and that it is the young moon that was in taurus and not the setting sun hence an uncertainty of over two thousand years in the date but our primitive astronomers found other celestial objects travelling in the zodiac besides the sun and moon four very obvious ones and a fifth whose discovery is prehistoric two of these now known as venus and mercury never appear far from the sun while the other three do these were recognized as belonging to one class and called wandering stars or planets their courses are performed in very different times varying from about three months to thirty years but their motions would be known on the average with fair accuracy soon after systematic observations began and the priests were not long in seizing the opportunity of elaborating a new branch of mythology associated with them eclipses of sun and moon though the natural dismay they caused would be exploited by the priests for their own purposes must soon have provided the priests themselves with an eclipse cycle or at least with a more accurate value of the length of the month and would be recognized as valuable phenomena for both reasons it is not necessary to rely on the jewish tradition that the lives of the early patriarchs were specially prolonged in order to enable them to determine the greater astronomical periods they specially mention the great year of six hundred years after which they supposed the configurations of the planets to be repeated in the same order as having become known in this way for an ordinary generation of systematic observation would have yielded nearly all the information they can be proved to have possessed comets probably perplexed even the priests but the number visible in a generation could not have been large though possibly it was once greater than it is now since more than one notable periodic comet appears of diminished splendor at each successive return after mapping the zodiacal constellations it would be a simple step to fix a few groups in other parts of the sky either in the south where their risings and settings would give an indication of the time of the year in addition to those of zodiacal ones and in some cases with greater value owing to the greater brightness of some of the stars or in the north where many of them would not set at all and where those whose motion was slowest would have a special value for the primitive sailor a value that is not yet lost so far there is little difference between the astronomy of the nations of the east chaldea egypt india and china and that of the incas the aztecs the druids or the south sea islanders or any other primitive race the nations of the east however demand a short chapter to themselves end of chapter one